that contribute to resilience, which um, they have summarized into five main points. So we have a healthy self-esteem, self-worth or self-acceptance and awareness of personal strengths and resources. So the focus in that one is self-esteem. Then we have self-confidence, belief in your ability to perform competently in the face of adversity. Then we have good problem-solving ability, the ability to make decisions and put plans into effect, social skills, like assertiveness, empathy, communication skills, etc., as well as good emotional self-regulation, the ability to appropriately handle your thoughts, feelings, impulses, and action. Now, I um, actually did a resilience test on myself um, <laughs> where you have to do like this quiz and then you add up all the results and they tell you how resilient you are. And I actually marked pretty well but I marked really low on emotional regulation. <laughs> I was like, what? I totally have control over my emotions. But then I think, okay, maybe not. And I am a drama teacher for a reason, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and I'm sure my husband would say the same. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, when I read this, my, my first thought was actually, when we have a healthy, trusting relationship with God, He can help us develop each of these characteristics. For instance, the first one is self-esteem. Now, if you read these verses, we have Psalm 139, 13 to 14. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Now, that does something to your self-esteem, doesn't it? Knowing that God is our creator and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then we have Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. This is when Samuel, um, well, it says, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, I think a lot of us, we worry about how we look on the outside, but God doesn't care about that. He cares about how we look inside. He cares about what's in the heart. And also John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I think that also um, helps our self-esteem knowing that God was willing to send his only son to die for us. Like, that's how valuable you are. He was willing to give his only son for your sake so that you could be saved. So if you have a relationship with God, it can do wonders to your self-esteem, but also it can help your self-confidence. So Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Knowing that God is with you gives you confidence. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So these are some great verses when you're facing adversity. Um, I know these are the, the go-to verses a lot of people go to, um, and it's to encourage us and to give us confidence knowing that I'm not alone in this. God's got my back. 
problem-solving ability. So Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So if you have a problem and you need to solve it, you know that God can guide you through it. He can lead you and help you solve these problems. Um, and James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And finally, Daniel, verse 5, 12 to 16. So here, um, King Bel- Belshazzar is describing Daniel. And he talks about him and he says, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas, and solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel. So this is a man who was given all these skills and abilities um, through his relationship with God. Then we have the social skills. Ephesians 4, verses 2 to 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Hear God, as you read through his word, he trains us on how to interact with each other. Um, And he can also transform our character, and that's something that we'll be talking about. He can transform our character to be more pleasant, to be easier to get along with. I know some of us can do with a lot of transformation. (laughs) Um, And so 1 Peter 3, verse 8 and 9 also says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted, be courteous not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, which is like insults, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to do this, that you may inherit a blessing. So the Bible teaches us social skills, how to interact best with one another. And finally, emotional self-regulation, which is the one I probably, well, I do need the most help with. So Galatians 5, verse 16 to 26 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is something we'll break down. Walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and it goes on through the list, and I did highlight a few of them, which I think many of us struggle with, like hatred, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions would be another one, and there's a number of them. And it says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is the focus, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And self-control is a big part of emotional regulation. Being able to calm yourself down before an outburst. 
before an outburst of anger. It could be an outburst of frustration or tears or whatever it may be. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. When Paul tells us to walk by the Spirit, he's talking about trusting in God and letting His Holy Spirit work on our character to develop and share the fruits of the Spirit in our daily walk. Now, doing right doesn't come naturally to us. Um, We were born into sin. And so our natural inclination is to sin. I remember I was given this um, metaphor, I guess. You have, they said, you have two two wolves inside you. One of them represents the nature of Christ. And one of them represents your sinful nature. And it's like, which nature are you feeding Uh, was the question that they asked me. They said, are you spending time with God and feeding your spiritual natures, feeding God's character? Um, Are you praying? Are you, or are you watching things that are going to feed your other wolf, which is your sinful nature? And so when temptation comes, which one's going to win? So if we trust in God and walk in the Spirit, He's able to transform our character and produce the fruit of the Spirit within us. I really like how, I read this version of the Bible, it's called The Remedy. I'm not sure if any of you um, have heard of it. Um, So it's actually an extended paraphrase of the Bible. And so this is um, Ephesians 1 verse 13 in The Remedy. It says, and you also were reunited with Christ when you accepted the remedy that Christ has achieved, having trusted God on the basis of the truth Christ revealed. You have been marked with God's seal. You have been so settled into the truth that you cannot be moved. This transformation of heart and mind is brought about by the Holy Spirit. So in summary, we could say that trusting in God and receiving the Holy Spirit is a shortcut to resilience. We listed all the characteristics that resilient people have, or the five main characteristics, And through a Christian walk, we can actually achieve those characteristics. Um, So, that is the shortcut. Because the truth of the matter is, there are many resilient people out there in the world who don't have a relationship with God. Am I right? Resilience isn't something that only Christian people can have. Many have developed the key characteristics in other ways. But the beauty of the Christian walk is that Christ can help us develop resilience if only we trust in Him. Now, you can't trust someone that you don't know. For example, let's say uh, one of you approached me. Let's say Janae. Oh, Janae knows me. Um, (laughs) Who? Okay, one person that I don't know approaches me, right? What's your name? Cherie. Cherie approaches me and says, I've got a pain in my abdomen. And I say, oh, I know what that is. You've got appendicitis. I had it. Okay, it's fine. Just lie down. I'm just going to go to the kitchen, grab a few knives, and I'll cut the the appendix out for you. Would you let me? No. (laughs) Of course not. Um, First, you would want to know, do I have any qualifications (laughs) for starters? Um, experience, if I'm sane, if I'm a good person, 
etc. Because she doesn't know if I'm trustworthy or not. So, in the same way, um, well, actually, I'm going to share a story with you. Um, I got my wisdom teeth removed last year. (laughs) And um, I went in to get, um, you know, to get the, what do you call it? When they put you under? Anesthetic. Thank you. (laughs) So I went to get the anesthetic, um, but before that, they had to put a catheter in my arm. Is that right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Sorry? Cannula. (laughs) Sorry. Thank you. (laughs) 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 Thank you. (laughs) So, cannula. They had to cannulate. Is that? Yeah, cannulate. Thank you. My arm. And so... (laughs) um, this nurse came in and she starts, you know, doing her thing. And um, all of a sudden, she's just like, <gasps> and I'm like, what? And she's like, can you hold this? And I just look and she hasn't put, I don't know, she didn't connect something. And my blood was just like spurting out of my arm. <laughs> and it, start, it goes all over the bed. <laughs> and I'm like, <gasps> and I'm trying to I'm, I grab that tubey thing and there's like blood all over my hand. And I'm just... I was freaking out. I'm about to go into surgery. (laughs) And this nurse, you know, anyway, so I just started, she fixes it all up and there's blood stains all over the bed. (laughs) And I I just start praying and I'm like, God, uh, you know, please be with me. (laughs) Then the doctor comes in and he starts reading all these warnings and he says, you know, you could die. Um, (laughs) But it's all right, you know, we've done this before and no one's died. And I'm like, ah. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope that nurse isn't in the surgery room. <laughs> and then um, they wheel me in and guess who's there waiting for me? <laughs> that nurse. <laughs> and so I said a prayer and I was like, God, you know what? Forgive me for everything that I've done. <laughs> like, I was, I was ready. <laughs> I was like, God... <laughs> Be with my husband, be with my family, you know. (laughs) Um, And so in that moment, I didn't feel that that nurse was very trustworthy. Now, I came out fine. My face was really swollen (laughs) for months. (laughs) But, um, But I was fine. And... So I was terrified because um, I didn't believe this nurse was trustworthy. And in the same way, we need to get to know God. We need to read his word and we need to find out, is he trustworthy? And we all need to make up our mind about that. We all need to think, is this God trustworthy? So that when he wants to perform surgery on us, on our character to transform us and remove our sinful character, we will trust him and let him work on our character, and shape us into strong, resilient, and loving children of God. Now, throughout the Bible, you'll notice that there are a number of powerful stories where God's people display resilience through their trusting relationship with God. One particular story that always speaks to me is the story of Joseph. So for those of you who aren't as familiar with the story of Joseph, it begins in Genesis chapter 37. Um, And you can go ahead and read it, um, but we won't go through the entire story. But it says now, throughout the entire story of Joseph, we see him displaying resilience through his faith in God. 
his brothers planned to kill him because of their jealousy, but ended up selling him into slavery in Egypt. But it doesn't end there. After working for Potiphar as a slave for some time, Joseph is then placed in jail because of a lie. Now, imagine being betrayed like that by your family and then being imprisoned for something that you didn't even do. Joseph had all the reason to be bitter, to be angry, even angry with God for allowing this to happen to him. He could have said, God, I've been faithful to you. Why is this happening to me? But instead, Joseph knew that God was with him through it all and no matter what he faced. He trusted that God was in control. During his time in prison, Joseph interprets dreams for the other prisoners, which then leads him to interpreting Pharaoh's dream and then becoming a governor of Egypt and saving thousands of lives from the famine. He is then finally reunited with his family. And then in Genesis 45, verse 7 to 9, we witness Joseph's compassion as well as his insight into why he had to experience all the difficulties in his life. He says to his brothers, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. It has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler of all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. So, can, do you realize how amazing, how amazing this is? Him, because he could have condemned his brothers to die for what they did, but instead he saw the big picture. And he saw God's hand throughout his entire journey. So Joseph's story teaches us to recognize that we can't determine what the future may hold. Unforeseen circumstances are what make up our existence including calamities as well as victories. His stories also teaches us that holding grudges will not produce happiness. And no matter what we are experiencing, we should always have an attitude of optimism, holding on to our hope and faith, even when there's no reason to think our surroundings or situation will improve. And that is the core of resilience. So, I encourage you to trust God no matter what, to be so settled in your trust that you cannot be moved, so that you, just like Joseph, can also get access to this shortcut to resilience. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18 says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And that's how we have to look at it. We have to think, this is a light, momentary affliction that is preparing us for eternal glory. Now, Resilience isn't something, I, it's not something that people are born with. It's something that we learn and develop. So for me, I find that my mum is the one who helped me develop resilience from a young age. You see, no matter what my mum has experienced, 
Her faith in God has never trembled or shattered. Now, my mom's, sermon, my mom's story is a sermon in itself. So I'll just give you the short version. Um, so my biological father was really abusive. And even though my mom had just moved to a whole new country and didn't know how to speak, being Australia, and didn't know how to speak the language, English, she found the courage to leave him. But then my father, he kidnapped my brother and took him to Chile. Now just think for a moment. My mom, she couldn't speak English. She had no qualifications. Um, and she barely had enough money to provide for us. She was working cleaning jobs. So how was she going to travel overseas and get my brother back? It seems impossible, right? So despite all of these challenges, my mom, she sprung into action, and she sought legal aid and shared her story in Spanish, she had someone, they actually gave her um, a legal aid woman who was able to speak Spanish to her as well. And then eventually, she was contacted by the Attorney General Department. And they said to her, if we were to tell you that you have to leave tomorrow, will you be ready? Of course, my mom said yes. She arranged for us to be taken care of by someone from church and they told her that if they approved her case and that they would help her travel to Chile and get her son back. And this was all under this program called the Hague Convention. So they paid for her flight and accommodation. They gave her spending money and they gave her two bodyguards and a driver. And they traveled to Chile and long story short, because it is a long story, <laughs> um, they got my brother back. And this is the newspaper from um, back then, and they called it Mission Possible. Now, that man, I don't know him, okay? <laughs> Everyone says, is that your dad? No. <laughs> um, so that's my mom and my brother. And, yeah, so, and you can read through the story there. Now, whenever my mom shares her story... Uh, she always says that this mission was only possible because God was with her all along the way. The Bible tells us that nothing will be impossible with God. Or um, Jesus said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Or Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? But getting my brother back was actually the start of a whole new set of struggles because my mum was now a single mother of four children who could barely speak English. <laughs> um, we lived in housing commission in Rose Meadow, which these days we call Rose Ghetto, <laughs> um, down in Campbelltown. I don't know if you know it. Um, we were all <laughs> I talked to Colin Wilson. I don't know if you know him. <laughs> I mean, I know some of you do. And he always says to me, oh, Cindy, we're both Westies. <laughs> um, so he's from the West as well. Um, and so our neighborhood was actually pretty dangerous. 
Like I remember this one time, well, okay, we'd always get robbed. There were a few times we got robbed. Um, and they were really creative on how they'd rob us. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, I would actually think, man, that was well done. I mean, not well done, but you get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they would actually break into our house by going under our house. Well, this was one time, okay, one of the many. They broke into our house by going under the house, and then they cut two massive holes into our wall. And they went into the house that way, stole everything, and then left through under the house. <laughs> and so when we came back after the holidays, the whole house was stripped bare. Um, bec- I mean, I'm, I hope I'm not giving anyone any ideas. <laughs> but um, anyway, so those were some of the experiences that we faced. Um, but even so, my mum, she was able to get all of us, all four of her children, through private schools through Adventist schools, um, working cleaning jobs. Now, my mom had every reason. With all the struggles that she faced, she had every reason to turn away from God, don't you think? Having been abused and beaten by her husband, her child kidnapped, then having to live in a foreign country alone with four children. But despite all that, she kept strong in her faith. And mum's faith in God gave her resilience and taught all of us that nothing is impossible with God. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that if we become a Christian, we will not face adversity. It's very clear. It says, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because our faith and trust in God has given us a shortcut to resilience. Now, resilience doesn't mean that we are indifferent to the stress or the pain or the grief, whatever it is. Resilient people still feel the grief, the sadness, and all the other emotions that come with adversity and loss. The difference lies in the way we, look, we work through these emotions and how we recover from adversity. Now, I know I've given you Joseph as an example of resilience in the Bible, but there are many, many others. Um, another of my favorites is Job. Um, I love reading the story of Job and his resilience. But the most powerful example given to us is Jesus Christ himself. Even though he was despised and rejected, crucified by the people he came to save, he was still able to follow through with his mission of saving the world. The cross in itself is a symbol of faith and resilience, which we can all access if we only trust in him. Christ tells us, and this is my favorite Bible verse, in John 16:33, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. And it's amazing how, like just that thought, you know, we're struggling here, we're struggling, but it says, take heart, I have already overcome the world. And that gives us hope. And I think hope is crucial 
in our resilience um, and our walk with God. So I'm going to sing a song. Um, it's called Embrace the Cross. Now, I first heard this song in Spanish. And um, so I'm going to start it in Spanish. Don't think um, <laughs> that I'm going to stay in Spanish. Don't worry. I'll change into English straight after. Um, and after the song, I'll be sharing an initiative that I would love for all of you to be a part of. Now, while I sing, I ask that you meditate on the words and consider the powerful example of faith and resilience that Christ gave us. Sorry, could we start that again? <laughs> Thank you. Embrace the life 
times from dying Come trace the steps The Savior walked for you An empty tomb concludes Golgotha's sorrow Endure then till tomorrow The cross of suffering Embrace Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that as we all leave this place, we may feel encouraged to um, live a life that trusts in you, Lord that we may put all our trust in you and that you may build resilience within us, Lord. And that whenever we face trials and temptations, that we may cling to you and that you may give us the strength to carry on and to move forward. Thank you for all the blessings that you give us. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. So, acting for resilience. So this here is an initiative, um, the initiative that I just mentioned. It's for um, this year's drama production. Um, Right here in this venue at Northline Christian College. And we need your help. Um, You see, I have a group of students who are embarking on this project. It's called Acting for Resilience. And they will be given the opportunity throughout the project to learn about, teach, and develop resilience through theatre practices. Now, the students will also be working together to devise this year's drama production, which will be on the 4th and 5th of August. And it will be based on stories of resilience from our community. And this is where you all come in. So what you're going to be handed, or what you're currently being handed right now, is um, surveys. And so, um, this resilience survey will ask you to share a story about a time in your life where you have displayed resilience. Now, some of you may need more time to think about a story, and that's fine. Um, So, the students will actually be reading these stories, and they'll select the stories that they either relate to or they feel inspired by, and they'll be given... Um, two opportunities to interview the stories that they select, the owners of the stories, and they'll audio record the discussion. And so the style of theatre that we're going for is verbatim, where we actually use words that were actually said um, in the production, um, and that's verbatim theatre. And so um, these discussions, they're the ones that are going to be used as a basis for this performance. So you can either write your story on the space provided on the surveys, or if you'd prefer to email it to me, I've also listed my email address there. Um, And if you already have a story in mind, um, feel free to write it. Um, We'll give you some time to write it down now, and you can hand it in now, or next Sabbath, 
I won't be here, but um, the pastoral team here at Refresh said that they're happy to receive those resilience forms and they can um, give that to me. So thank you in advance for those of you who will help us with this um, exciting initiative. Thank you. Thanks so much.